The Third Man Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! Podcast is Jack White Third Man History Program. And James, we've got some excitement today. I'm co-host Paul Kaminsky. I think we do, Paul. I don't know why. We're, are we doing this voice? Are we doing this voice today? All right. Well, yes, I'm your co-host, James Kaminsky. This is Jack White and Third Man Records History Podcast. As Paul, I think, just said. Yeah, we, we've got... Oh, oh, Paul. I've, I've been taken by surprise. Hey, uh, back off. And me... Yeah, yeah, we got there. For the record, I don't know what the voice was, although I did kind it of It was like sort it, of a Bill Cosby thing. Well, I think it's my thing now. Bill Cosby? Please don't. Don't. No, I'm not. <laughs> Jesus, James. We have new Jack White music here. Holy smokes. Hot dog. We've got a new Jack White single, Taking Me Back. And in honor of that new single, James, we're going to do a bit of initial reaction to new jack white music it's been kind of a while yeah yeah and then we are going to take ourselves the listener Uh and a few special guests back (gasps) to their days in high school for a portion of the show we're calling taking me back to rock and roll high school Ooh, i like that i like that a lot so more on the Rock and Roll High School and special guest portion in a bit. But for now, James, we're going to talk a little bit about the new Jack White single, mm-hmm. Taking Me Back. Now, I got to be honest with you, James. I didn't know this was a new single. When Jack's official Jack White live Instagram handle started posting about Call of Duty or whatever, <laughs> I was like, 
oh, I guess he's going to go like lead a battalion into battle. Uh-huh. And it's like a Twitch thing. And maybe he'd wear a headset with cat ears on it. And he'd post it to his OnlyFans account or something. He's going to teabag all of the enemies. That's what you I, do in that game, right? I don't know. I don't even know if I'm saying the name of the game right. I'm not a gamerman, but I, it's pronounced Cal of Duty. But when I saw that, I was like, huh, that's a little weird. Although we do know he has a history of shooting Hitler. So it didn't like strike me as that weird. No, he struck so me was... more as a Wolfenstein man. <laughs> Real Metroid head. Um, so anyway, well, there's a new long... there's a new Metroid game out called Metroid Dread, so you could really just call him a Dreadhead. Wow! 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 I guess the thing that really tipped me off was when the morning after Dominic Davis on his Facebook said Jack White has a new single dropping at noon, and I went, "Oh, that seems a little more explicit." <laughs> so thank you, Dominic, for posting you, Dominic. that, and thank you, Paul, for giving me. The uh, the hint that I because I, I wasn't even looking at the Instagram and yeah it just hit me and then it, I looked at it was already I think it was ten o'clock or whatever and I was just like oh it's already up all right cool and I listened to it I was like oh my god yeah well let's get into that so there's two versions of the same song which I love actually I yeah think he it's did a, a really B side nice yeah he did a B side for once and I also don't think we know at this juncture if this is heralding a new album or if this is simply a one off kind of in the style of battle cry it doesn't seem to be it's in i mean i if you look at the the single cover yes it matches up with the rest of them battle cry was a was a specific thing uh co-marketing with war stick this is seemingly an intentional lead up to a new album and i i think he he mentioned that he was recording during pandemic so are we to think of this kind of like sunday driver now that you're gone Maybe we'll get a Vaults 45 and then a formal announcement and maybe the album the following spring? Or are you Perhaps. thinking... Because, James, you're very good at calling the release schedule and the touring schedule of these things, so I'm going to rely on your oh, Nostradamus-style abilities here. What do you think? Because based on the track record of the last few times, it takes a while for the friggin' album to come out after a lead-off single, if this is indeed a lead-off single, which well, we assume it is. Yeah, so we are definitely getting the physical 45 in the vault, so that's been cool to be confirmed. Is that confirmed? That is confirmed. Yeah. We're getting a physical single in the new vault Excellent. Uh, that's coming out, Good. the White Stripes uh, vault that's coming out, which seems like a really cool vault. I re-upped for that, and everybody was so excited to see the, this new cool band that they started destroying like I want to say Frida Kahlo murals, but it was something like that. It was some like very uh, insanely important artists murals in this art center. Anyway, is that what they were doing in there? Well, it was the fans were clamoring to see them, and they packed so many more people oh. than were allowed to be in the building that they were climbing these murals to go oh, get no. a look at it all. And uh, oh no, yeah. So they they said luckily. According to to Ben's write up, uh, that luckily nothing was permanently damaged or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, the the museum uh, or the art center, whoever owned it, was like it was the best concert and the worst concert we've ever done. It was the best of times. It was the, the worst, worst of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Real quick aside about Frida Kahlo, my daughter has a book called Frida Catlo, where they've replaced, did I tell you about this, James, where they replace all the names with fun animal names, and Susanna and I can't decide if we want to replace the the animal names with human names, or if we want our daughter thinking Frida Kahlo is a cat. Uh, I think... And it's called Meowxico, <laughs> which is true. They call it Meowxico City. Okay, but like for real, like cats exist in the real Mexico. Like you couldn't just call it Mexico. Dago Rivera. Anyway. <laughs> is it really Dago uh, Rivera? It is Dago, Dago Rivera. Rivera. The vault I was intrigued by. I wouldn't go so far as to say like super excited by it because we've gotten a lot of White Stripes Live vaults or that sort of thing in, in recent memory. And yeah. so I was interested in it, but this is making me very, very excited to get this vault because I would really like a 45 of taking me back because this song kind of rules, James. It's really, really cool. So uh, to get to the actual songs, you have, like Paul said, two versions. The A-side, as it were, the streaming A-side is... It's like he combined the best parts of Boarding House Reach with the best parts of Lazaretto in a way. Right. So he's kind of take he is taking you back. He's getting right. giving you some more of that riff rock as he calls it. You take that and then you add a little bit of the new technologically sophisticated savvy Jack White's flair. And yeah, the scratching of, and the squawking in the oh, electronic yeah. space. Yes. And I I'm, I would imagine he's using the triple graph on this. It sounds like that it's either my guess is he's using the triple graph in conjunction with the bumble buzz. I think, ah. uh, I think you're getting a, a good fuzz there, and I think you're getting uh, the triple graph's kind of ability to hook up to multiple pedals at the same time. All right, James. So I'm still a little unclear on who actually played on this or not, but I'll read from the Third Man Records website because that is probably the most information we have So it says, Jack White is back with his first new solo music in nearly four years. The incendiary Taking Me Back is available digitally worldwide now. The single, produced by White at Third Band Studios in Nashville, features a 12-time Grammy Award-winning artist on all vocals and instruments. So Jack played everything on the A-side. Wow. All vocals and instruments. Additionally, the hard-rocking Taking Me Back arrives paired with a genuinely gentler version, aptly titled Taking Me Back Gently. Both versions are joined by new visuals premiering today at White's official YouTube channel. So we should say today, the day of this recording is October 22nd, 2021. So between now and this coming Wednesday when we release the show, things may have changed or evolved and we would know more. But as of right now, we don't know. I find it fascinating that that's Jack on drums, which is great. Yes. It makes sense. It's it's pandemic, pandemic times. It, right. Yeah, that he would do the whole thing himself. I wonder if this album will be a just just Jack affair, which would be a first. We'd get our own McCartney. It should just be called Yeah. White. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty that's awesome. That's like a fir- that's not a first in his catalog cuz I think he's done that before once or twice over the years, but that would definitely if we got an album's worth of it, that would be a first. It would be great. I'm honestly shocked that he chose not to do this during the London opening, and I'm wondering if if this yes. is possibly it wasn't uh 
everything wasn't quite ready by the time the London opening happened. Well, this is all speculation, but I would suspect since there's a Call of Duty component to this, mm. that that probably mucked things up because if he premiered it there, then the Call of Duty like premiere angle would have true kind of been ruined a little. But I guess you could have done that after the fact. Like uh, the visualizers for a lot of the raconteur stuff or the pseudo music videos. I know the term visualizer is thrown a lot now. You know, they put those up later in the album cycle or at least in the... Uh... Again, yeah, I, all this is speculation, but it, especially in my experience with like deals like this in the corporate space, I would imagine the idea that a new Jack White song to promote Call of Duty Vanguard necessitates the song to be premiered in conjunction with the video game and if the video game marketing wasn't ready for whatever reason in time or it was off by a few weeks maybe that was the plan maybe the plan was to premiere it at the london show and they had to delay Mm -hmm. which would actually explain why we know lalo was out in london like a week before it's true the actual performance of jack maybe there was some scheduling conflicts there and they ultimately just did what they had to do and get it get it done again speculation this is all speculation we don't know any of this either sure. way doesn't really matter that we had a kick-ass rooftop concert uh, yeah. in london single cover uh, has this very strange figure that yeah. looks an awful lot like Jack does now. So I'm I'm wondering, like, did he model his haircut after this figurine that he found? Because it does oh. kind of resemble Jack. It's not Jack. He took a Polaroid of it, I believe, or he took a oh, picture really? of it. Yeah. Oh, um, I thought it was meant to be him. It's not, as far as I know, I think it was on his Instagram. There's this picture I know Tam yeah. was talking about it. You know what it reminds me of, James? It reminds me of the the sequence, the time travel sequence in Star Trek IV: The Voyage Home. A little where bit they're going back in time. Uncanny Valley, yeah, like, not the of. best sculpture. <laughs> but it's it's strange. I think Jack has has an affinity for things that are almost him, because yeah. Boarding House Reach you have that androgynous kind of right figure who has Jack's eyes. And he, he likes the push and pull of, of people not quite knowing if it's him or not. Right. And I think this is a continuation of that theme. Yeah. In yeah, a way. You're probably right about that. So the B-side, Taking Me Back Gently, we know then Dominic is on that because he talks about playing mm-hmm. on it. And we know that Fats Kaplan plays the fiddle on it because Fats was out there talking about that. Oh. Yes. A lot of people were thinking it was a Rishi, but it was, uh, it was in fact a Fats. And you pull all the 
goes well, you're taking me back. Yes, you're taking me back. When I really like both versions. I like you're saying like it, it's giving me big Lazaretto energy. And so the I don't know if I have a favorite between the two, actually. I think I like them both equally for different reasons. And I, you know, we're 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 such sycophants of this shit because yes. I don't think we're ever like to hell with that song. But <laughs> honestly, this got me excited. Like this got me excited for Jack's solo stuff in a way that Connected by Love didn't. Like Connected by Love for me was more excited about the idea of the return of Jack solo. This has me more excited actually about the song itself, uh, if that makes any sense. It feels more like it belongs in his previous catalog of music. Yes, uh, it's whereas, consistent. Yes, Connected yeah. by Love was different. And uh, again, the sycophant in me is like, well, different, it's not different, bad, different, but it's it was like, <laughs> oh, that's not what I was expecting, which is Jack's specialty to do the unexpected. However, I do appreciate him taking us back. Right, <laughs> uh, but because with the rack and tours, like when we got Sunday Driver and and stuff, we it felt like the rack and tours, right? Slightly upgraded because you know it had been ten years and and Jack was now playing like newer electronic guitars, right. like electronic guitars. What <laughs> you got it off the electronic bay, <laughs> which is funny. Yeah. Well, it's funny to me because Sunday Driver didn't really excite me either. I really I liked Brendan's contribution more. In fact, on that album. The Jack songs I like the most, one of them is a freaking boarding house reach holdover. That's true. I mean, I think we're both in agreement. Though we are big Jack White heads, I think Brendan is the soul of Tours, whereas Meg is the soul of the White Stripes. Yeah, and J- Jack is like the facilitator. Like he brings the he brings the fire. He brings the lightning, you know? He's Frank and Dr. Frankenstein. We could all agree Jack Lawrence <laughs> is the heart of all of the bands. <laughs> he would agree that the most important part of these bands is the bass. The big drum. Yeah, Taking Me Back was giving me big like American epic vibes in a great it, way. It had a fun like Western saloon kind of yeah. thing going for it. It felt very right. much in a kinship with Pokey almost, which makes sense because Pokey is on it. Is he on it? Really, he is on it. You're shitting me. I'm not. Was, po- was Pokey talking about it? No, uh, it's listed as a credit uh, in the Taking Back Gently. Pokey Lafarge is playing, I believe, guitar. Oh yeah, look at that. Okay, so we do have the song, the official song credits. So we have. Jack White on vocals and lead acoustic guitar. PK, Patrick Keeler on mm-hmm. the trap kit. Mm-hmm. Pokey Lafarge on rhythm acoustic guitar. Dominic Davis on upright bass. Olivia Jean on shakers. Mm-hmm. Fats Kaplan on violin. And Corey Ounce on piano. We got a who's who there. Yeah, it's a real reunion, a class reunion here. That's almost beat for beat the Wanda Jackson band, except with the addition of Pokey. And Olivia? Was Olivia not a part no, of that? No, Olivia was in the water that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I love that. It's that great. great. No, it's great. It feels... <laughs> well, I think that might be why it feels like Lazaretto era. Like, because you have yeah. Lazaretto era people to do or just right. hanging out on it. <laughs> I like all the scratching and squawking, though, on the, on the main one. I like... And I don't know why he did it, actually. I don't know if it's fan service or... You know, it's, it's unlike Jack to be fan service. It's more like him to be... To do what feels right in the moment. But I'm happy that what felt right for him was to do two versions of it. Yes. With different instrumentation and one having more of that 
you know, taking me back vibe. To the, gen- it, right? the gently ones visualizer. Can we talk about that real quick? Because it's great. It's it's subtle, but there is a lot of astronauts falling down on the moon. Very funny. And it's directed <laughs> by Ben Chappelle. No relation. And has additional art and editing from Jordan Williams, Brad Holland, Quinton Hickman, and Rob Jones. Now, James, should we talk about the high school, rock and roll high school portion of this? Should we take our listeners back to rock and roll high school now and tell the listeners a little bit about that portion of the show? Now, if you're having some coffee, do you, are you taking it black? Can you, are you taking me back? Are we taking me back to... It's my favorite line. <laughs> That's my favorite line in the whole thing. Uh, yeah, we should. And we have... Oh, 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 wait oh, a minute. Ah, I have one more ah, thing ah, I wanted ah, to add. Ah, ah. The song yes. sounds a little bit like the song Huey Newton by Annie Clark, a.k.a. St. Vincent, from her self-titled 2014 album. And I know that is a coincidence. I know it's a coincidence, okay? But... Huey Newis and the Lose? This is one more... Nice. This is one more check in the box of, Jack, can you please just do an album with Annie or like a single or anything? There's a lot of crossover here. And also, Annie does that same thing where she takes her songs and then does different, like a million can, different versions of them and then puts us out. Can we, can we start a Paula's dead rumor that Jack is dead and, and Annie Clark is, is now Jack white, like the new hair. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to play a little bit of these back to back so you can hear what I'm talking about. Okay. can take our listeners to the rock and roll okay we have guest luther russell joining us and luther is a a musician singer songwriter he's been in a bunch of bands he just had a new album of demos with jacob dylan come out everybody can go check out the boot heels look them up they're amazing we'll provide more links in the interview itself he was also in those pretty wrongs luther has just been around and doing all kinds of awesome music for a while now and i'm a big fan of luther's because i listen to his beetle commentary on other shows and so luther's joined us on the yesterday and today podcast as well as the now here this program where we talked about the rolling stones but this week james luthor luthor <laughs> this week james luther is joined by us and <laughs> listener nick langford or lang you up from the heavens whom you may have seen in our open show which you can find at youtube.com slash c slash the third men podcast doing a really cool cover of black bat licorice mixed with canon mixed with canon which was a really remarkable awesome thing that nick did and we'll talk about it a bit in the episode but nick is kind of 
responsible for this episode happening and he's also kind of also responsible for the open show and also kind of responsible for an episode nick is just very responsible he's a responsible young man (laughs) yeah and so anyway we're going to talk a little bit about rock and roll in the high school experience and so we have representatives from multiple generations on this episode to talk a little bit about what their experience were like and We're going to just compare notes and talk about music, and it's going to be awesome. So it's going to be a great episode. We hope you all enjoy it. But before we do that, James, hold up. (gasps) Paul. Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Wait a tick. One damn minute, everyone. Is this the segment, Hold Up, in which we get some additional context? (laughs) Yes, James. Yes, it is. (laughs) You look so upset. (laughs) I'm not. I'm really not upset. I struggled for a while to think of the name Hold Up. And it came so naturally. I finally got it. And then I started making the segment. And then I hop on with you, and we come up with a better name in about three seconds. But I already started making the segment. Well, here's the thing. That is just a fun, really good wordplay subtitle. That's all. Where we get some yes. additional context. I mean, uh, look, it's Don't it's giving me a thing. me, James. But do patronize our Patreon page. You can find that <laughs> at the end of the show. <laughs> All right, so Hold Up is a segment of the show where we sit in our rocking chairs Mm -hmm. after the fact Mm -hmm. and something in our everyday lives or something we find on the internet reminds us... Is this going to show up in the audio? Our voice getting higher and low? Yeah, maybe. Well, anyway, so we find some context, something that is particularly relevatory from a prior episode and we put it in this segment called Hold Up, where we say the thing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not rough detectives because we didn't detect no. anything. We just realized something. Actually, it's more like I just realized this. But there's no Jack song with realized in it, I don't think. There's like a Flaming Lips song. And by the way, let me just tell everybody this. I heard my wife, my beloved wife, listening to the Flaming Lips in the shower the other day. What? Was it a bubble bath? It was Yashimi. Because Wayne Coyne likes getting in bubbles. I have never heard this lady listen to the flaming lips once in her life. I mean, Yoshimi's great. It's a radio hit. I, I get that. I've known this person a long time, okay? And I couldn't kick down the door and be like, why are you listening to this? But I wanted to. It wasn't because I was angry, but no. I was more I was more offended that <laughs> that I was not consulted. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, flaming lips are fine. So hold up, all right. In this hold up segment, it it kind of has a smell effect quality to it because mm-hmm. it, it's it's related to the Lalo episode. Because it's a similar right? segment but different. It's not a fact, though. It's just sort of like a, huh. huh. You know, there's no Jack White song where he's just like, huh. It's true. I like the segment, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so 
in the Lalo interview that we did was episode 153. Yes. Lalo references a traveling festival. Lalo Palooza. That... <laughs> it's yeah. great when we do the records in the afternoon because I'm way more energized. It's the morning for me. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm still drunk. So Lalo references a festival in which he spent time with the White Stripes. He didn't know what it was. He said, somebody look it up. So I looked it up. And in that episode, I actually play some audio from that festival, and I don't draw any attention to it, but I'm going to reference it here. So the festival he was referring to is a festival called Big Day Out. Mm-hmm. He was tour managing Jurassic 5. That's right. That's yes. what it was. Yes, he was tour managing Jurassic 5, and we were looking for the thing with um, the white stripes on it. So... It would have been the Big Day Out Festival in 2002, I'm pretty sure. Okay. In which the White Stripes and Jurassic 5 were on the same bill together. And it looks like they were on this bill for quite a while. It makes sense with the traveling nature of what he was talking about. because, And I didn't know this about Big Day Out. That thing ran from January all the way to February in 2002. And that's really interesting to me because I had no real conception that Big Day Out was A, an Australian festival, and B, that it was like a traveling festival. Like they went to Sydney, Ascot, Vale, and Victoria, Melbourne, Adelaide, all these different places. And I think they wound up in Perth when all was said and done, which is really fascinating. So anyway, the bill on there was The Prodigy, which I... I don't think I've ever heard of the prodigy. Oh, you've I've heard the prodigy, Paul. I have. Uh, smack my bitch up? No. Jesus. I'm, I'm serious. That song is kick ass. It's a it's a like an EDM style song, but yeah, prodigy's done a lot of a lot of material. New Order, Garbage, Basement Jacks. Are you calling the New Order Garbage? (laughs) Basement Jacks with two X's, Jurassic 5. Yes. System of a Down. Okay. Alien Ant Farm. Okay. The White Stripes, Cochine. I don't know what that is. Tomahawk, Silver Chair, Regurgitator, and James, last but not least here, Peaches. (gasps) Peaches. Yeah, no, that makes total sense to me uh, because she would have been touring with the... uh, Shit, what's that song? That's the song that you got from Seta. um, The Peaches song. What is in the Peaches of Peaches? Teaches of Peaches. Teaches, yeah, that. I forget what it's called, but yes, that song. The Teaches of Peaches. Sucking on my titties like you wanted me Calling me all the time like Blondie Check out my Chrissy behind it's fine all of the time Like sex on the beaches What else is in the teachers of peaches? Huh, what? Fuck the period. Yeah, yeah, so peaches, peach, great. So Peaches just put out music with Third Man Records. True. And it, I thought to myself, I said, Self, I bet you that's where they met. It could be. 
I bet you that's where they met. If not met, certainly spent some time together down under. I mean, knowing Peaches, <laughs> that, uh, that has a whole Jesus different meaning. <laughs> I saw Peaches on that list and I went, hold up. <laughs> time for some additional <laughs> context. <laughs> Do you see what this segment is now, James? It's been a couple times. Do you see what it is now? <laughs> I'm starting to see what it is. So context is everything. It's a big day out, 2002. That's been the segment. Good segment. All right, James, let's get into this episode here with Luther Russell and Nick Langford. Rock and roll high school. Let's do it. Let's get our high school musical on let's yeah <laughs> we are joined by a few special guests today first up here we have mr luther russell luther you have been a guest on some of our other shows you've appeared on the yesterday and today podcast and now hear this and it's funny, actually, you and I got to talking because you had mentioned the Yesterday and Today podcast when you were on another podcast, and it made me scream in the streets. You shrieked. I shrieked. <laughs> and then he chased after a beattle. <laughs> a beattle, yeah. But Luther, yeah, you're, uh, Luther Russell is a wonderful uh, musician, singer, songwriter of many bands, those pretty wrongs, free wheelers. Your solo album, Medium Cool, first of all, Everyone stop what you're doing and get a hold of this record and play it very, very loud. Medium. Cool. Okay. So, oh, <laughs> so damn good. Like it's so, oh, thanks, man. so ridiculously it. good. And of course the boot heels, which we'll talk about in a little bit here, which is the, uh, the band you were in with Jacob Dylan in 1988. Right. Before the dawn of time. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got some, some exciting news there that we're going to uh, talk a little bit about, but Next here, we'd like to introduce Mr. Nick Langford. Lang you up from the heavens, Nick. You're here. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> How the hell are you, buddy? Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you. Today was my first full day of senior year, so my brain is just broken beyond repair. <laughs> but I'm going to do my best to provide an entertaining whatever. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> I wasn't in a band with Jacob Dylan, but I should be able to provide something. We'll see. Okay. Wow. Pers perspective, at least. They start you early now, like... It was un when I was growing up. It was unthinkable to start school till well into September. Now they start, they throw you poor souls into in August into school, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, you reach a point in the summer where you're like, well, it's too hot to do anything, but here we are, so we just go. <laughs> it's, it's not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> COVID broke a lot of systems, and now they're just in school, just twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah. I haven't left. It's been a while. I haven't seen the outside world in at least a year. When did the pandemic start? I've lost track. We don't know. <laughs> it's I, oh, I, it's in the other room. I think it's 518 days since my work from home started, so somewhere in that window. Cool. <laughs> Sorry not to be Captain Buzzkill over here, but, but uh, Nick, you're joining us today on the show because you are responsible for the topic we're talking about here today and actually responsible for a couple things. A couple things, which we'll get to. Uh, you, You're solely responsible, Nick, and you should feel bad. You sent me a video, Nick, of yourself and a drummer we spoke about a little before the call who moved away. What an a-hole. Just kidding. Uh, Sorry, Blake. <laughs> playing, what was it, Ball and Biscuit? Yeah, it was kind of, we were just like, 
We wanted to do something a little more improvised because it was at our school, I guess, variety show, you would call it. Yeah. And my freshman year, we played Say It Ain't So by Weezer because Weezer is like 80% of what's running through my brain even as we speak. <laughs> the next year, we played something by Ben Queller, which I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's a really talented guy out of Texas somewhere. Yeah. Um, but then we were like, you know what? We improvise in the band room like pretty much every day anyway. We might as well just see if we can make something up a little more like improv heavy on stage and see if it worked. And I'd like to think it did. <laughs> it was yeah. amazing and knocked me on my ass so much. We decided to make it a whole show. We then submitted, asked other people to send in their White Stripes covers. And you were the impetus for this because I was just like, holy shit, what else is lurking out there? This is awesome. <laughs> and then you wrote us in. Because in that episode, we were talking and musing about how we had no idea what the children were listening to. And Nick, you wrote us in and said, listen, as a certified member of the children, I'm going to tell you what they're <laughs> listening to. So that got us talking today. And so what we decided to do, we put together an episode where each of us could talk a little bit about what the rock and roll experience was for us growing up in high school and then Nick for you currently in high school because I'm dying to know what the perspective of younger people are on like rock and roll as a whole today. And so we're just going to get sort of a multi-generational, multi-locational, I guess you'd call yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to ask Luther, where did you grow up cuz this might be uh, all across the board in the in the US. Oh, I grew up in Los Angeles, but for my teen years uh, I lived up in northern California, kind of near Big Sur. Carmel yeah. Valley. So I went to school up there. Yeah. So this yeah. is definitely every section of the United States is kind of yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about all those experiences. But before we get into it, I did want to talk to you, Luther, a little bit. Your rock and roll high school actually is in tandem with the aforementioned boot heels. And I would love to touch on that a little bit and how you found your footing in bands and what you were listening to at that young age and how you wound up getting in touch with the other guys in the boot heels and to tell us a little bit about your rock and roll high school. Well, when I was going to school up north, I did actually form a little band. I was always trying to form bands and I formed bands with a bunch of buddies, fellow burnouts at this prep school <laughs> I went to. And we were called aptly the Fortunate Sons. Very and nice. uh, we played the local talent show and won. Whoa! Nice. With an original song, and I Whoa. still remember. Uh, yeah, I still remember the name of the song. And it is. Go on. A cool shade of dawn. Ooh. Wow! Beautiful. That is. Let That's me just roll. wait while you guys' minds just. Yeah. Blow <laughs> That's got a certain Procol Harum charm to it. Yeah, we had, <laughs> we had a bongo player just throwing that in there. Who? Um, but yeah, I love so. That. Uh, so then I moved down the next year to L.A. I didn't finish high school, unfortunately, so you're one up on me, Nick. But I uh, moved down to Los Angeles, and by a chance meeting, I met this guy, Toby Miller, and um, we just kind of hit it off on mutual love of the replacements. Check us out, here we go, playing at the talent show. This is about 80s, the late 87. So uh, he moved me down. And then uh, 
Actually, prior to moving me down, we just kind of hung out while I was down in Los Angeles for a week or two. He said, do you mind if, if uh, we pick up a friend of mine at the airport? I said, yeah, whatever. I, I had just met the guy. And when we picked him up on the way to the airport, he said, oh, and by the way, it's, it's Bob Dylan's son just to let you know, just for like a heads up. I was like, okay. So we picked up <laughs> Jacob. That's when I met Jake. We took him to his house. And um, that was just like the start of that whole thing. Uh, we, Toby and I started the band. Jacob asked to join. And we, for a couple of glorious months, we had this like scene going out of a garage in Beverly Hills. And it was a really good band. And, and now it's uh, looking like it's going to see the light of day this fall. Nice. They found you in a guitar center, right? Was that uh, the at the at the guitar center? At the guitar <laughs> center. Is it the one? Was it the one on uh, on on uh, Sunset? On Sunset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The original yeah. one. Yeah. It can happen. You can get discovered at guitar center. Well, I was in there, and all I discovered was that my old guitars weren't worth as much as I thought they were. <laughs> well, exactly. All I've ever discovered there is like some dude named Todd or Rick trying to sell me something. But yeah. Uh, but it, but yeah, it was. Uh, that's kind of how it happened. Happened to be that I was stopping off for a bass string. Yeah, that was uh, Todd Rundgren and Rick Springfield, correct? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and uh, the weird thing was the question I was asked is, "Are you a bass player?" I said yes. And the follow up question, I remember he was leaning out of his car, and it it was like it had bullet holes in the side for some reason. <laughs> I'm not sure, but it, the car I, I ended up finding out the car was nicknamed the Mafia, and we know why now. But uh, this follow up question was, "Do you like the Replacements?" And they were my favorite bands. I said, eh, "Yeah." That was it. That was how bands used to start. But, you know, that's I wonder if they're still starting that way. That's why I throw it to you guys. Well, that's what struck me. Because what if you had said, like, no, and then they would have, like, just sped <laughs> off or whatever. Like Exactly. But it's just so awesome that, you know, it, bands are, are almost like shorthand, you know, what you like. I know that's what it was for us. I mean, we've talked a little bit in the past about, you know, we were kind of self-styled classic rock kids. In sure. the sense that, like, you know, you find your identity, you rally around that identity, you ensconce yourself in that culture, in that scene, and then you find other like-minded individuals. And the bands we love become this shorthand, not to get all high fidelity on everybody, but it is sort of true that it's kind of like this other language. Well, that's what I wanted to know. Is it still that way? Because that's how it used to be for us. But that's why it's valuable to have Nick here, because I want to know, is it still like, oh, my God, you like that band, too? And you connect on it. That's what. All right, Nick, load us up. Give us the load whole, us up with, the load whole us up with the knowledge essay. I want all of this. Oh man. Okay. Well, for to add the context for the what I'm probably going to be talking. Well, what I'm going to talk about for the rest of this is that I'm from the dead center of the Midwest. Where? Uh, I'm in Nebraska, on the outskirts of Omaha. So okay. there is a music scene, but it's not as robust as probably L.A. But I haven't really started many bands. But in like my, my high school, if you find someone who likes the music that you like. It's so easy to get for people to find music now, like with Spotify and stuff, that people just find random right. music from all over the place. So to find someone with common interests that aren't necessarily super popular is like 
a really special thing. So you're like, oh, you also are into this thing on the outskirts of what everyone else likes. So yeah. like, yeah, that happens with a lot of stuff. Now, how do you amplify that? Do you wear t-shirts? What's the go? Like, cause I, I wear band t-shirts such as this one to like, <laughs> to every now and then you'll get a kindred spirit who's like, Hey, I know that band. And I'm like, Hey, we're friends now. And it's like, right. And they try to back away and get out of my life. And then I'm like, no, come back here. You, you too like the bands yeah. I like. Yakety sax starts playing. Mm-hmm. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say band merch is still very much like in vogue. Like people still, you see a lot of people with band merch, but it's weird to see obscure stuff. You don't often see it. You, you see right. more people wearing band merch for bands. Not everyone listens to than like, yeah. a Taylor Swift or an Olivia Rodrigo shirt. Like, that's mm. the... I don't know why that's the case. Maybe people with niche interests are, like, more desperate to find other people with that niche interest. So it's like, hey, <laughs> I like this thing. You like that wow. thing? Me and Paul started a podcast to find people who like our niche interests. So. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and a lot... Um, that was is pretty similar to my time in that... No, there was still what was popular. And then by connecting on the replacements, I mean, that was fairly niche at the time. I mean, they weren't like the most popular band. They, yeah. You kind of had to know the deal. And they were more niche for a different reason. It's just, more, you know, there was obscurity and popularity, but it, there's a through line there for sure. I still find the classic rock touchstones are much more like prevalent in doing what you're all talking about, which is sort of like putting out the signal to like attract the others like, I found that there's a couple that always work, like Harry Nilsson. If you put out the Harry Nilsson call, there's going to wow. be someone in the room who gets really, really fucking excited about it. Well, I tried <laughs> you know? that for years, and uh, no one would respond to it for decades. And finally, people started picking up the radar on Harry Nilsson. I grew up with him, so I... <laughs> yeah, it's coming around with him, because he went, he was in st- and then he was out of vogue for a long time, and then... His music kept getting used in these pivotal like TV shows and movies, and I think there's a perennial love for Harry yeah. out there, you know, in that sense. And now it's starting to be picked up by some TikTok trends and whatnot, because uh, like lime and the coconut and all those other. Things. Oh wow, really? Yeah, Is it I mean, actually, that's surprising. Yeah, I mean, it's not. They're not crediting Harry Nilsson. Well, I mean, the app is, but like, it's one of those things where they're just. And it, this isn't a trend. I've just seen a couple people do it. So I'm far from me to know what TikTok trends are. I honestly couldn't tell you. But I've watched a fair share of them that, that do occasionally. Well, I suppose if sea shanties can light TikTok ablaze, then so can Nelson. <laughs> I don't really, I don't use TikTok. But the sea shanty thing is like my favorite cultural thing that happened in the last year. There's just I gotta no see reason. This. There's no reason for it. Like, why? I love it. <laughs> yeah. Let's do more of that. Yeah, more more randomness, right? Right. Well, so Nick, you found your way to the White Stripes and Jack White. Obviously, how did you how did you come across Jack's music? Because you're coming up, growing up in an era where the White Stripes are dissolved, basically. So tell us a little bit about how you found Jack. Yeah. So I was born in 2003. So I was definitely not around for the heyday. So I think my first exposure to Jack White. That sounds like it's a virus of some sort. <laughs> My first encounter, that's worse. Um, first time I heard a White Stripes song, I think, was probably My Doorbell. Yeah. Because my father had the Get Behind Me Satan CD. Yeah. And that was just kind of always around. So, like, 95% of my music taste just trickled down from my dad without me realizing it was my dad's music taste until I got into it. Then I looked back and I'm like, oh, 
Okay, so I'm listening to everything he listened to. Cool. <laughs> so once I started, I think Get Behind Me Satan Satan was my first entry point into the White Stripes, which is a weird place to come in, but it's such a good album. Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing Instinct Blues, which on going back after hearing the rest of the White Stripes catalog, it just seems so derivative of everything else. Yeah. But when you haven't heard the rest of it, you're like, okay, there's something <laughs> different going on here. Yeah. That's interesting. For I sure. think that was it. That album epitomizes something different and interesting. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And then I think after that, like years later, when I was getting into guitar, my dad was like, hey, there's this documentary you should watch. It's called It Might Get Loud. And I'm like, oh, all right. That sounds interesting. And then that just like blew my brain apart because I'm like, oh, my gosh, all these dudes are so weird. I want to do this. <laughs> I want to be great. weird like these odd, odd gentlemen. <laughs> That's I awesome. want this brand of specific weird. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically the edge. You saw the edge and you're like, <laughs> no, hey. mm, I, I was just going to say, maybe uh, maybe less on the edge, but, you know, good for, I'm glad he's there. He has good for him. Good, good for him. the edge. Did that uh, turn you on to Zeppelin by any chance? I was already kind of listening to them because my first guitar teacher got me into it. I might have the timeline wrong. It's hard to keep straight, but it it got me into a lot of their music. Cool. So you like uh, music that old? Yeah. There was a point where I could watch that documentary and with my guitar in hand, just play every song that was in it just because I watched it so many times, like just play (laughs) it all the way through. That's Which great. is pretty sad. I should I probably should have branched out a little bit with what I was watching, but no, it's cool. If you can play everything and might get loud, you're you're doing all right. Basically, sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I again that's kind of a similarity. I mean, I, I did plunder my dad's record collection, as I'm sure you guys did, and pretty much got all I mean, he had the Nilsson, he had the Biff Rose, he had the you know, just just like Warren Zevon, you know, all the Dylan, you know, he had everything. And I just, you know, picked at it over the years. He didn't push it on me or anything. He had all the Beatles and, yeah, you know, that's how we do it. We hit our dad's record collection or our older <laughs> brother or sister or somebody. Yeah, it's you one know. of those things. You just absorb it over time and then it becomes homey in a way or like comforting. And then you just kind of absorb it and it becomes what you seek out in, in terms of musical tastes too and I mean, we've done whole episodes about musical taste at this point, which kind of led us to this point here. Does I've had limited success with this now, but this is a question for both Luther and Nick. Like, how did you come across new bands at the time? Because I know Spotify is now the charging force in introducing people to bands with playlists and whatnot, at least in my experience with music now. And how was it in the 80s? Like, I guess radio was kind of the charging force at that point. Okay, so this is pretty ironic, but I think podcasts were my main form of finding new bands, really, because I would just find a band that I like and then just type it into the Apple podcast thing because I'm like, I'm desperate to listen to other people talk about this thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. there is this one, which is sounds incredibly pandering, but it is factual, which showed me all sorts of stuff, uh, got me into... All sorts of weird junk. Love it. (laughs) Um, There's the new tagline. We'll get you into all sorts of weird junk. Well, you guys have done your job. (laughs) Yeah. We've introduced the world to turkey salesman as a character, so I guess that's a thing. I'm always in favor of him coming back, by the way. (laughs) He just is Richard Nixon. Anyway. Sorry, Luther. (laughs) Um, And then there was one called The Great Albums Podcast, which, Luther, I'm pretty sure you've been on that podcast, right? uh, Great Albums? uh, Yeah, I think it was on that with uh jody Bill from- and Brian. yeah 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 i was yeah, yeah. I, I listened to a ton of that podcast when i was in 
I don't know. It's got to be middle school. And then awesome. lots of good stuff from there. Awesome. That's great. So the new band discoveries, they're coming from podcasts. And then it's like in school, like, is there a rock hierarchy and versus like a pop hierarchy and then a hip hop thing? Or is hip hop sort of the all dominant force at this point? And rock is sort of like the scrappy subgenre or how does it? Because look, I, like, a, like a true elder millennial, I just get all of my band recommendations through being radicalized on Facebook. Uh, so that's all I've got going for me these yeah, days. Paul still asks for mixed CDs from his friends. <laughs> wow. But, but, uh, but seriously, like, what's the genre hierarchy like in your school? It's interesting because, I don't know, it's not really a thing people talk about so much. You just kind of know that certain people like certain bands. Yeah. Which sounds like some horrible high school musical nonsense where it's like, that's the clique that likes that. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. in some ways it is like that. I, you, you guys kind of know like how it is where people just split off and do their own thing. Right, There's definitely like the alt kids where like Phoebe Bridgers is like a big thing. And I don't know. Everyone kind of listens to everything. Like genre doesn't seem to be that much of a restriction anymore unless you were like me in seventh grade, and we're like, I'm only listening to Van Halen. Um, <laughs> we've all had, we've all had one. Of wow, those that's see, that's a, another similarity because I think something skipped generations because we didn't have a genre thing either so much then. I think it's more on the millennials because you just there was only a couple magazines, there was MTV. It was just all on these, you know, main channels. And, you know, I read like underground rock magazines and there wasn't too much of a, you know, style, you know, thing. And and at school, it was kind of the same in a, in a way, you know, it wasn't really like. What were you reading, Luther? Were you, it was like Cream still around at the time? No, like well, Cream was around. It wasn't that cool. I mean, I mainly read um, Spin was good. Musician Magazine was really, they were the ones who would write an article about R.E.M. or The Replacements or some cool band going on. Um, uh, Rolling Stone, I still read, you know, at the yeah. time. Yes, yeah, so Rolling Stone, Spin, Musician, and then there were some, like, books and stuff that would, you know, trouser press things and stuff like that, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of some weird fanzines. I, I read some punk fanzines, things yeah. like Maximum Rock and Roll. And Was that feeding you the new bands? Or was the, the exposure coming from other places? Well, you know, I, it's funny. I mean, I... When I first saw R.E.M., I was like 14, and I, a bunch of us went to a show at Santa Cruz Civic. It was like 1985. It was like the third tour, and I was just shocked to see that much Paisley. Like, I didn't know that many people liked R.E.M. I just, <laughs> I, I couldn't, they were never on, they were only on, there wasn't even 120 minutes yet, so there was a little indie kind of portion of MTV, and, and you maybe see an R.E.M. video, but they just seemed obscure to me. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't live in a huge big city at that time. That's strange because now in online presence, you can kind of get a feel for how big a fan base is of a lot of different musicians at this point based on yes. just yeah. YouTube views or, or Spotify listens or, you know, that sort of stuff. I mean, it's obviously skewed into a lot of different directions and it's obviously not the extent of it because a lot of people who listen don't listen on Spotify or YouTube. But it's an interesting thing to think of like, yeah, there's a time when you're like, I don't know how many other people are listening to this. Obviously, some, they have a record contract. But, like, now you're like, well, they have a record contract, but I think, like, three people listen to them. So it's like... (laughs) (laughs) It's true. You know, like, there was a signifier, though. I mean, indie rock, like, if you're listening to Twin Tone or SST or any of these indie labels and stuff, it 
you knew what kind of shit you were getting. I mean, I just had one buddy turn me on to like all that stuff and it just that whole world opened up, you know, just because he was like sitting there listening to it and he was the only dude I knew. Um, and it's probably not that different in Nebraska in a way. Like, you know, you, you've got a buddy and, you know, that one pal could have turned you on to like a huge amount of stuff and your perspective changes. <laughs> right. You know? I was probably into more popular things before I met this buddy of mine, Vince. And I mean, there was still good stuff on the radio and like different things. But I mean, this guy like turned me on to a lot of stuff I never heard before. Like, the Velvet Underground and stuff. Yeah. Right, right. But it's funny. I got to the Velvet Underground through Jack's stuff, yeah. actually. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. They covered that song, James. What did they cover? Oh, God. Um, pop quiz. Pop quiz. It. Well, it's from the EP, not yeah. the album. And then they, they played with... Cold so- Coldplay. It's Coldplay. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus, James. It's yellow. Wait, I, I'm going to see if I know. If Let me, maybe I can guess what they covered. But it, was it was with on- the Tours. Hold on. I'm going to look it up. And they covered a... Hot, hot, hot heat, cold, hot, hot, Oh, cold. white, That's light, it. white heat. White heat. White, white light, it. white heat. That's it. Bowie did that too. Oh, Bowie did that too. Yeah. That's the fun thing about the Jack White world for me is that it, it has opened up a lot of avenues I never would have known. Through Third Man Records, I found French Ye Ye. Through Third Man Records, I learned about, you know, the Velvet Underground and I learned a lot more, surely, about the Stooges. It has given me, right. I mean, in this podcast also, it helps to have assignments to, to listen to stuff and to sort of like. Jack, in a way, gives you assignments. Yeah, he's, he's all about assignments. Because he wants you to work for it. He wants you to fight no, with no, the No, no, I mean, <laughs> listen, man, he, he, I, I've got a lot of respect for Jack White. I, I don't know how else an entire segment of kids would ever learn about Charlie Patton. Or, right, or Robert you know, Johnson. I mean, or well, yeah, or just all the, all the pre-war blues, which I've been into for years and years and years. I go, I'm a little bit older than Jack, but as soon as he started doing stuff like that and working with Revenant and all that, I just, I started really thinking, wow, you know, this is incredible what he's doing. You know, this is important work, really. Third Man and Revenant Records are excited to announce their partnership in releasing this historic two-volume wonder cabinet, The Rise and Fall of Paramount Records, 1917 through 1932. Housed in an impeccably designed Cordesan oak cabinet, volume one of this collection includes 800 newly remastered digital tracks representing 172 artists, six 180-gram vinyl LPs pressed on burled chestnut vinyl with hand-engraved, blind-embossed gold leaf labels housed in a laser-etched white birch LP folio a deluxe 250-page large-format cloth-bound book 
complete with artist biographies and the history of the first 10 years of Paramount Records. Every song he covers seems like it's an invitation to go get into another kind of music. Like, it's like, hey, look at this. Check this out. This is cool, right? Absolutely. Not only is it an invitation, he will proudly say, y'all should listen to this person at a concert. Absolutely. So, Luther, you and I talked a little bit off the call when we were having coffee the other day about this. I was hoping maybe you could share some of the stories, but am I remembering correctly that you had a few run-ins with Brendan Benson? Well, not personally. I just had a friend who played with him, and I saw him on his first tour. And I have another friend who wrote his first record with him, Jason Faulkner. But uh, if I met Brendan personally, it would have been then and that time that I saw him at his first show. But I've just been aware of him. We're the same age, and I was following him a little bit before... It ever became a thing of the Tours, And I saw the Tours first tour, and it was oh, really good. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I really, really liked that record a lot. Yeah, that's that a great record. That first Tours record is great. Broken Boys, Soldiers. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, your music and Brendan's music has a lot of similarity. Again, I can't recommend this enough. Everybody check out Luther's music. Like, I'm very, very up on Medium Cool right now, but, like, the stuff you do with the Pretty Wrongs is just absolutely gorgeous material. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. But, man, when I put on Medium Cool, I was like... And it hit me. It's a rock and roll record, for sure. It's It's a uh, rock and roll, but it's like Brendan, because, like, when I hear your music, I get the same vibe from Brendan. It's like if Elvis Costello wasn't kind of a jerk in the early 80s, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's like... It's like... (laughs) Like, very warm, welcoming, but also, like, kick-ass rock. And that's what I appreciate about it. I get that. Well, we can check off Elvis Costello off of our guest list forever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a big uh, Elvis Costello fan, I have to say. Paul doesn't speak for all of us here. (laughs) Well, I have seen him play before, but one of my regrets when I was younger, I had a couple, couple chances to see him you know, around the albums that I really dug by him. And I love Elvis. In fact, we did Armed Forces on uh, on Now Hear This, and I I, oh. I really grew to appreciate that. And I saw him a couple times actually, and I love his music. I love. His, I don't know shit. You know, my favorite uh, album of his, hands down, is uh, Blood and Chocolate. That's yeah. That's I, we just that an lot. incredible. Yeah. Oh, you do. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like a later Attractions record, or maybe the last one before yeah. they re- came back together. But Nick, if you ever just want to have your head blown off, listen to Blood and Chocolate. Actually, I'm pretty sure he's doing a show here in town pretty soon. No kidding. You should go. I was considering it. Oh, you should You should definitely go. He's an amazing performer. Me and Paul yeah. saw him open for the police, of all things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. That's a fun show. It was, it was really nice. We got moved down to the floor because they, they undersold. It, it, it was like the best. <laughs> that's surprising. It was in Philly, and I don't know the exact circumstances as to why. I can't believe you saw the police. I, I still kick myself for not seeing them. I mean, they were, I loved the police. That was the biggest band when I was in high school. It's like everyone could just – there's always these bands that – are popular and then the ones that are like not as popular and people dig but then there's those bands that everyone just agrees yeah. on well, I mean, <laughs> that's right you know and the like you know police is one of those bands it's like zeppelin back in the set everyone just agreed on zeppelin and police were kind of like that they were popular they were huge they were commercial they were also really out there and, right. and kind of weird sting kind of transcended the generations a little bit i mean he's still known as a musician he might be more disliked than Elvis Costello. <laughs> I mean, sure, yes. And he's mostly known for the weird sex stuff. But uh, <laughs> who is? Who isn't? Uh, um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. He's 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 
he's out there. He's he's making pan flute music. I think he's great. Yeah, <laughs> pan flute music. Nick, uh, who, oh my who's, God. is there one everybody agrees on for you, Nick? Is there one that you see? I I, I have some guesses, but I am also very. I have a guess. I'm interested. I'm interested to hear your guesses before I say what I think. You mentioned this band. I work with this band, and it seems like every age group and every kid loves Weezer. And there's this thing that just transcends with them, and I don't know what that is, but it's, it's kind of wild. Yeah, you I mean, co-wrote. You wrote some songs for Weezer albums, didn't you? Write on "Endless Bummer." I love that song. I it's did like, write "Endless Bummer" with Rivers oh my and Brian. to the white album yesterday is like my last day of summer album because it just fits that so well <laughs> totally yeah and uh la girls i wrote nice. too. oh sick mm-hmm. i didn't even know okay yeah yeah that's a good one the bridge on that one that's a really good one yeah that's uh and people seem to like the white album a lot you know they seem to connect with it and yeah that was super it's, cool it's a good one to be on <laughs> <laughs> yeah it seems like it you know they try anything and everything all the time they never stop and you know they get criticized sometimes for that but i, I kind of really admire it because river's work ethic and he's very prolific but he's got a high level of quality with that prolificity i, <laughs> I think Weezer are so enduring because they're just such like they're okay with being seen as such goofballs. Like, that's how I perceive it. I mean, you've known better than I. Yeah, that's their shtick. That's their thing. They, yeah, right. When people make memes or whatever about them, they're like, oh, cool, let's play into that. Like, I remember Rivers Cuomo's Instagram for years was just him posting memes of his own band, <laughs> stolen memes of his own band, <laughs> which is so deeply weird and endearing. And it's, yeah. I don't know if Weezer's the one everyone agrees on, but I feel like if you turn on a Weezer, not many people are like, hey, yeah. turn that off. Like right. I, right. That's all I mean by that. It's those bands that no one really turns off and no yeah. matter who they are. And, you know, it's like I've seen them do, you know, Say It Ain't So live. Yeah, Say It Ain't So, which they have to end on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, there's no oh, way yeah. around it. And it's incredible what that song. And, and if you guys can indulge me, I saw Weezer play by accident completely before they were signed. Oh, wow. Wow. I went down to the Viper Room to see a friend's band that they didn't end up like Weezer. They were were a really good band. They were called El Magnifica. um, Awesome name. Good name. Good name. Actually, better name than Weezer. So I go down there, and this band opens up. I'm just waiting for my friend's band to come on, who I've seen a couple times, and they're really, really good. And they come on, and this is actually before Brian, my friend Brian, was in the band. And they come out, and they start rocking, and like, okay. Then they pulled out that song. (laughs) And I remember them pulling out that song, and I remember going, holy shit, this is a good fucking song. And yeah. next thing I knew, they were signed to Geffen, which I, <laughs> I just left Geffen. And it's just funny because that song, I remember when I first heard it again, I went, damn, that's that band. And now I've seen them pull that out and just blow everyone's head off time after time after time. Yeah, yeah. yeah when I saw them live, they played that song, and then they played... Uh just as a little closer to the show, they played Paranoid by Black Sabbath. And it's just, there you what, go. Are, 
Weezer, what are you doing? This is awesome. <laughs> and doesn't uh, Brian sings Paranoid, I think. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Which is cool. Which was, yeah. it was so fun. It was at a music festival too, so we were all outside. It was just a great show. That's great. That is so great. Awesome. Love those guys. Yeah, so for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so I have my guess, Nick, of what the Everyone Agrees On band is. It's not really a band, though. Uh-oh. Yeah, I forgot what we were talking about until you said that. So, <laughs> My guess is Billy. Does everyone agree on Billy? Um, I would say... Billy Eyelash? Rather polarizing. Mm. But polarizing? I think Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, think they agree more on Phoebe Bridgers probably, right? Okay, so here's the trifecta that I, I'm constructing this as we speak. I'm constructing this this narrative that I, I've never put this together. Okay. So you have Billie Eilish. Yeah. You have Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah. And then I would throw Olivia Rodrigo mm-hmm. in. So three, in, three ladies. You, three ladies. Yeah. You like one of those. Okay. I like all three. Wait, does anybody <laughs> does anybody like all three? Yes. You, yes. Oh, plenty of people do. I, I, but you like one or more. I think they do. One or more. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's people who don't like some of them, but I'm sh- I think those are like the three. Yeah. That if you're like, these are the last three artists. Most mm-hmm. people would be like, well, okay, well, that's good. I can find something I like here. So Olivia Rodrigo is a huge Jack White fan. Wow. Which I found out and was super surprised by. I'm like, that is awesome. She knows her stuff too, like really well. Hey, I'm Olivia Rodrigo, and right now I'm doing an episode of Fanning Out. I'm a huge White Stripes fan, so today we are going to put my knowledge to the test and see how big of a fan I really am. <laughs> my favorite song changes like based on the mood that I'm in. I love like Ball and Biscuit. I love Girl You Have No Faith in Medicine. I love Icky Thump. I love Little Room. I love like Little Bird. I love all of their songs. I like can't choose, but um, yeah. <laughs> What was Jack White's former occupation before becoming a full-time musician? So, B, he was an upholsterer. I'm obsessed with this story. He says that he like used to write poetry and put it like in chairs and then upholster over it. So like there are just like random chairs in the world who like if you if you like cut them open, like you would find like Jack White poetry. And it is my ultimate dream to cut open a chair and find Jack White poetry in it. Amazing. Like, why do you know about the upholstery? That's a- yeah, the gold dollar. She knows all this stuff. It's like oh, okay. we talked to her publicist after that. They said she's real yeah, busy they- right about now, as she went to the White House to meet Joe Biden. <laughs> so- yeah, she's like, it was either Joe Biden or Paul James, and like, <laughs> all, I'm, all saying- I'm saying is, we would have talked about upholstery or whatever. We could have talked like, about vaccinations. Would've... Like, well, I mean, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, it's anyway, the exact same amount of outreach yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> but when you listen to her album Sour, which is very good actually um yeah what few tracks i heard are really really yeah pretty involved pretty amazing yeah For you, I guess you moved on really easily You found a new girl and it only took a couple weeks Remember when you said that you wanted to give me the world I guess what you're saying, Nick, I'm going to sort of transmute into what my high school experience was Because, you know, the Phoebe Bridgers would have been blocked into like the emo kids at the time Billy would have been blocked into sort of like the popular crowd And Olivia Rodrigo maybe... And I guess she would be more of in sort of like the alternative sort of space 
I guess, a little. More of the people would be listening to Paramore or something. Or Blink-182 or something like that. Yeah. Like, there's more of that kind of, like, fun, boppy, sort of vaguely skaj kind of thing <laughs> happening there. But it was very segmented for me growing up, and so I'm happy to hear that it is getting a little bit more homogenous in a way, if for no other reason than, like, the division between genre is so arbitrary and silly anyway. It's like what Ryan... Brady once said, it's like, somebody's putting a piece of themselves on the record, no matter what record they're making, and the least you could do is give it an objective listen. Yeah, I don't get it. It started with the record stores. You have, you know, you can read those categories as other things in a way. It's like you see urban soul, oh, okay, black, you see country, okay, you know, and it doesn't make any sense for it to be categorized other than if it helps you find it, I suppose, but... They're not super popular, but like... I think everyone can find something they like in them is the gorillas, just because okay. they don't pay attention to genre at all. <laughs> they just throw whatever they feel mm. like in there. They're not even people. Yeah, they don't even <laughs> exist. <laughs> now, that's, it's strange, though, because like I, I was talking to some people. My, my wife worked at a school previously, and, and I was giving them a, like a, an art course as an after-school program kind of thing. And and they were playing some hip-hop and stuff, and they were told to turn it off. And But I was allowed to play whatever music I wanted, as long as it was school-appropriate. And so I picked the Gorillas, and they were like, this is okay. And I'm like, okay, do you, do you know who the Gorillas are? And they're like, no, no idea. I'm like, all right. Okay, it might just be my friend group. Then, yeah, I mean, cause... it wasn't like I was I, – I wasn't trying to explicitly, like, shame them. I was like, you should know that. But it was, it was <laughs> odd to me. I was like, oh, okay, this song was a big hit. When I was in high school, I guess. I remember that one song, but I mean, you know, do you really distinguish the gorillas from, like, say, any other thing that Damon Albarn has done? You know what I mean? In other words, don't you still file it under Damon Albarn? I don't know. We At my friend's house that we go to hang out at, there is often their music videos, just a playlist of their videos slapped up on the screen, just because... Everyone can agree. They're hey, cool. This is cool. Yeah. I like this stuff. Yeah. My friend group's kind of weird, too. I don't know if my opinions really... <laughs> it does not speak... Let me just say it right now. <laughs> I do not speak for the overall population very well. You speak for your friend group. I can speak for a lot of the people... Are I they going to co-sign this? Do they do... Yeah, as this is this is official. Yeah, we need social security numbers. We need all... Let me, let me just pull up the you group You don't have chat. to put them on blast. Mother's maiden name. I just... To be clear... After a while of being out of high school uh, or out of those environments in general, you realize that everybody was in a weird friend group and everybody exactly. was uh, <laughs> not yeah. speaking for the entire population because humans are all weird and different. So yep. uh, you're fine. The ones that do think they speak for an entire population stormed the Capitol. So as long as you're not one of those, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> well, I guess, uh, I guess Ariel Pink is out. I'll give the shout out to Gage, Luke, Pierce, Garrett, Dylan and Cooper. Awesome. And I feel I feel yeah, I feel horrendous if I left go. anyone out. I just read the group <laughs> chat. So Well, uh you heard it here first. Everyone else is is dead to him. <laughs> yeah, I hate you all. <laughs> if I didn't say your name just now, <laughs> stop. Are are they uh, all gonna co sign your Probably not, but I mean I'd like them to. <laughs> you can speak for him then. <laughs> yeah, legally. Okay. That's good. <laughs> good shout out. As we uh, as we sort of wind down the discussion here, I did want to talk to you, Luther, a little bit more about the Boot Heels release coming up. I was wondering, can you give us some release date details on what's going on with the Boot Heels? Because the topic we're talking about today is really, I mean, that's the age you were at that time. That was I was seventeen. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, so it was my high school band. In that I should have been in high school, but I wasn't attending because <laughs> I 
left and the other guys were in high school, except for the one guy who was out of high school. And um, it's coming out uh, finally. This is it's this demo tape that we did make somehow I had the wherewithal to make before we split apart in the like spring of 1988. Um, just I recorded it on my Tascam four track cassette and um, it just sort of languished. And we all went on to do stuff. Obviously, Jake went on to do stuff. And every Jake and Toby formed the Wallflowers, and I formed this other band. And Aaron, the drummer, went on to play with people like Moby and Lana Del Rey and stuff. And um, now it's actually seen the light of the day on a label called Omnivore, which does a lot of cool reissues. And they've seen fit to release it on September 24th awesome. of this year. Fantastic. And, um, yeah, so uh, nice. it's kind of cool because it was a real special time. And, I mean, right, Nick, like you, this band that you formed with your buddy while you are in high school, I mean, pretty cool, right? Led you to meet these guys, and it was probably a really cool experience just, like, getting a jam. For, did you? I'm assuming you jammed for the school? or? Uh, it was pretty much just him, me and him just messing around whenever we had time before school. Just like, eh, whatever. It's fun. Can't find anyone else who likes to do so. Where did you play? Like in the band room? Or yeah, you... we uh, took over the band room, much to the chagrin of my band teacher. Though I, he doesn't say it, <laughs> but I suspect he was not a fan of the extremely loud guitar. But <laughs> where else? So it was like guitar and drums. <laughs> yeah, it's just guitar, gu- drums, guitar and kind of like drums. the white stripes. Yeah, um, I did exactly the same thing. Well, it was in junior high. I was in sixth grade. You know, this is like '81, and I, I hooked up with two dudes. One was in seventh. One was in eighth. So they were older kids. And for whatever reason, you know, we must have been those dudes that our music teacher, God bless him, Mr. Avila, he just like let us, he realized we weren't going to pay attention, so he just let us have that room. And we used to leave the door open when kids were on break, they'd come check us out. <laughs> and we were basically just do ACDC covers and, uh, and, and we, we did write one original and we ended up playing the junior high dance, wow. which I have a tape of. In 1981, so that was technically my first gig. Wow. And, and that was the same exact thing. The music teacher was a super cool, let us just utilize that period because he saw us just wanting to do it, you know? And that was just two guitars and drums. I don't even think I knew what a bass was. I mean, that's a good music teacher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To be, to be clear, I'm incredibly thankful for my band teacher. He's a great dude. Oh, that's awesome. He's yeah. really encouraging of all the musical stuff that people do. Nice. And I'm going to send him this podcast. <laughs> oh. Oh, cool. What's his, what's his name? His name is uh, Mr. Fonda. I'm not going to say his full name. but No, that's, that's cool. Mr. Fonda. I like it. That's, the, that's a good rock and that's roll last dude. name. Mr. Yeah. Henry Fonda. <laughs> that sounds like a group name, actually, Mr. Fonda. I actually kind of love that. Uh, Kam- Kaminsky's, you'll appreciate this. He had us, we played Star Trek for our first marching band show in freshman Yay. year. <laughs> which was before, it's really sad because I wasn't a fan at the time. So we were like playing the Next Generation theme. I just didn't appreciate it. I, I didn't appreciate it at the time. Then looking back, I'm like, oh, that was awesome. Uh, wish, we, wish we could do that again. <laughs> totally. Hey, pop quiz, Nick. Uh, what what band was named after their gym teacher? Famous band. Oh, um, okay. You know, you know this. You my, know this. It's Leonard Skinner. Yes. Right? I feel like my dad has told me that every single time they come on the radio. Yeah, like, exactly. Hey, do you know? <laughs> I wouldn't have yeah, got um, that. Same with like <laughs> when Silver Chair comes on. He's like, did you know they were like seventeen? It's like that kind of stuff that you just exactly. <laughs> they were younger. That dude was even younger. He was oh, they crazy. Were? He was like this little yeah. He was like fourteen or fifteen. He was this little Kurt Cobain kid. It was really good. Wow, Daniel Australian band. Yeah, that's Jimmy McCulloch age right there. <laughs> totally. 
He's like totally. 13. You're hanging out with. Wasn't he on like uh, a Thunderclap yeah. Newman when he was like yeah. Yeah, he was 15 on, or something? Was, yeah. I think he was younger. I think he was like 14, 15. Jesus. You see pictures of him and Pete Townsend. Pete's just got like fucking Coke all over his face. He's <laughs> like, this, this kid rules. <laughs> I'm going mobile over here, guys. I don't think. <laughs> Holy um, crap. <laughs> Uh, Nick, amazing. you can really you can really shred, Ben. You're yeah. you're a remarkably good guitar player. And I, are you guys going to send me this footage no. or what? I, I got to hear Nick. Man. I can email, <laughs> it. I can email you my YouTube channel later. Do I it. Remember. Do it. wanted to thank uh, Nick and Luther for joining us today. This was so much fun. We had such a great time. Thank you. And again, everybody check out. I think this show will be up by the time the Boot Heels uh, oh, release cool. is out. At least I hope it is. And if it's not, it'll be out shortly. So check that out. We'll provide some links in our show notes and on our website. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. Guys, everybody go listen to Medium Cool. It's it's so It's so good. It made Thank me you, smile so hard. And again, my mouth is literally falling apart. But I was uh, smiling very, very, very big when I when I listened to that record. It just so, Thanks, so damn man. good. And, and Nick, uh, do you want to shout out to your your YouTube channel? Do you want to give a link here? Um, I could not tell you what it is. <laughs> uh, could you put it in the show notes maybe? I don't know. We'll put it in the show notes. All right. That's a great idea. I put uh, random like nonsense EFJ135. <laughs> I'm on I'm on Instagram. I think my Instagram, Instagram is L O N G F J O R D, which is just an inside joke that no one cares about and I forgot where it came from. So it's really not that interesting. But now it's on the internet. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. So that's interesting. <laughs> Nick, good luck with uh, senior year, man. Thank you. I'll do my best. Yeah, you did great. Hey, keep pushing them carts. Listen to that music. I got to tell you, that summer I spent pushing carts, I was, that was a magical summer. I look back on that very fondly, Nick. You're making me teary for the past. <laughs> some of, the Paul, some <laughs> of Paul's best musical recommendations came from cart pushing. Came in, from cart pushing. In the present, though, I got to say in the present, it's not my favorite, but you know, it's all right. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Thank you to Luther Russell and Nick Langford for that wonderful discussion. Rock and Roll High School, really love that. Thank you, everybody, for joining us so far on these Season 6 episodes. It's mm-hmm. been a blast. It's been a blast and a half, I might say. And we'd also like to thank uh, the people who donate to our Patreon and help keep the lights on. You can follow the ad at the end of the show, which will tell you how to do that. And if you don't want a monthly charge, you can uh, just you know, support us in another way by going to our merch site, bit.ly slash thirdmenmerch, and get a tote bag or 
better yet, let's let's get a classic out there. Let's get a cheese board. Cheese board. James is back with the classics. If you haven't seen our, let's call it feature length third men podcast open show 2021, go to youtube.com slash C slash the third men podcast. And you can check that out there. Lots of fun covers. Thanks again to everybody who participated. Including yet again, Nick Langford, uh, doing a, doing a magnificent cover on there. So, and Ben Blackwell and Ben Blackwell doing a cover of man driving car. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been fun. Thanks to Susanna Roundtree for the Interest in Natural Sorrow program and the band Radkey for our theme song, We're the Third Men. Yes. That's, that was great. And until next episode, James, mm-hmm. I will be looking for a home in the Motara Nebula. <laughs> As context soars above me, <laughs> but in space there's no up or down, so above is really a relative thing here. But considering that we all use artificial gravity on the Starship Enterprise, I am looking up in order to see him. Yes. But artificial gravity is is allowing that, and so it's only. I'll spill my coffee there. It's only my point of view that allows me to consider it up. But space has has different dimensional value, and space-time is less of an up-down sort of thing and more of a (laughs) spider web of gravitational um, uh, push and pull. That's right. uh, Based on the mass of objects. You've you've made your wife leave. (laughs) Is that... Are you done? Yeah. Oh, no, (laughs) And I will be looking for a home in SETI Alpha Electric 6. Hey! hey, hey, hey. But it's SETI Alpha Electric 5. I'm so sorry. (laughs) SETI Alpha Electric 6 exploded six months after we were left here. (laughs) There's a fire on SETI Alpha Electric 6. All right, bye. Bye. The Third Man Podcast was created, edited, and produced by Paul and James Kaminsky. Our theme song, We're the Third Men, was recorded by the band Radkey, who can be found at radkey.net. To contact the show, visit thirdmenpodcast.com or email thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at the third men underscore podcast on Instagram, at third men cast on Twitter, and search the third men on Facebook. Thanks to our Patreon patrons, to everyone who has rated, reviewed, and subscribed, and see you next time.
Hey everybody, Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not for profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100 plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like, chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on. It can be as much or as little as you can swing, and all donations are greatly appreciated. The last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash, so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough. But if you would like to help us out, that would be amazing. All right, that's all from me. Remember, you can head to patreon.com slash thirdmenpodcast, and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already. All right, everybody, I'll see you on the show. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production, and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Oh, um, we didn't really have a name. We were just kind of like, uh, let's see. We got Nick and Blake. We're calling it Nick and Blake. That's the that's what we're doing here. I don't know. That's all you we need. Really, we really, we performed, well, he graduated high school last year, so I'm left alone. Uh, I yes. just entered my senior year. Um, <laughs> He's like, what older. band? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I wish I, I wish I had a full band currently. Um, yeah, we, yeah, he moved away, so now I'm, I got, uh, I got to find someone. Well, I think you and I should form a band because clearly we shop for the same glasses. (laughs) Yeah, you too. You're in the band. You look pretty. No, those are kind of. I don't know if those are close enough. But but mine and Nick's look look identical. You're out, buddy. You're not in the band. You can tour manage. It's like School of Rock. Yeah, you (laughs) can tour manage. You do the fashion. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, oh, I, I, right. Does that mean well, I'll be lost in the terminal the whole time? <laughs> I'm assuming that's what that means. <laughs> oh, that, did he have to go that far? Couldn't he have been, uh, who's in the middle? You know, the Colin. Colin's cool. Colin's cool. Chet, Chet's not fair to do. It would have been, the one he was talking about would have been, I 
Actually, you know, I might, I might want to start that over. What the fuck? Hello? Hey, I got your grocery. Okay, I'm just wrapping up with James. I'll be right down and help, okay? Okay, thank you. Bye. It's just like a funny little thing. It's like a, huh. Yeah, it's like a, huh, huh. Like a, oh, 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 okay. No, this makes sense now. Right. But there's no Jack White song that goes, huh, okay. There should be. You know? <laughs> anyway. I feel like Why Walk a Dog is just a big that. Just a, huh. Welcome back to the Third Men Podcast. This is Jack White, Third Man Records History Program, and I am your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. There's the energy. I'm your other co-host, James Kaminsky. Paul, we scrapped two seconds of audio of you introducing the show as sad as you could sound. <laughs> <laughs> it was an attempt to, like, switch it up. from Because we're doing... We're going to peel back the old shame bell here and just let everybody know that... Uh, we're recording a couple of these intros in a row, and so I was I was attempting to to put a different inflection on my intro for this one, but then I realized there's actually an episode in between the ones we're doing now, so it actually would sound like I'm excited, I'm excited, fucking sad. <laughs> Paul was just inflected by love. <laughs> we don't have we, we can. Do you want to lie to the people? No, it's not a well, it's an omission. <laughs> it's a special lie detector I put in place. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs>